Well, this is different. I kind of thought this would be bigger, Lowell. <laughs> but not really. So what is that thing that refreshes you? Would you have a cold glass of lemonade, dive in a pool, stand in front of the air conditioner? Maybe it's just a walk alone or a hug from a spouse, a child, or a grandchild. All those are nice. Some people, it's a nice jog. I don't know. Do you people, are there any runners here? Do you people know you don't have to run? I, I think I'd rather have Brock's nap than a jog. Well, for me, after working hard in the yard all day in the hot sun, I see my wife shaking her head. When was the last time you did that? Okay, so let's regroup here. After refereeing a couple soccer games, I do do that in the hot sun. I will drive all the way across town for an ice-cold Sprite. I love that. Filled with ice, filled with Sprite. I don't drink soda that often, maybe one or two a month of that. But there's something about that ice-cold Sprite. It just seems to, like, fill your whole body with cold. You know, that, that almost takes your breath away. You know what I'm talking about? That feeling of just taking your breath away. Well, I have a little video here. A few years ago, there was a, another way people were uh, getting refreshed, we'll say. And uh, let's take a minute and look at that. You guys remember that? The good old ice bucket challenge? I didn't know Bill Gates knew Brian Seacrest. Anyway, well, there are a myriad of ways that the world thinks we need to be refreshed. But the truth is, mankind desires a closeness with God that will allow us to trust his plan and we can be refreshed in the truth as we walk through the struggles of this world. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, what a great morning of worship we have had so far. We've sang songs of praise to you. We've prayed. We've given from our hearts to the mission of this church. And now we're about to open your word, the sacred moment, Lord. And we look forward to reading and hearing your message proclaimed. I thank you for this opportunity this morning to share what you've laid on my heart. Yet I am nothing but an empty vessel without you. So calm my fears, open our hearts, and we may, may we hear the message you have prepared for us this day. Amen. Well, first, um, I need to warn you, this isn't going to be some deep theological message that you're going to have to look for the hidden meaning. Um, it's going to be simple, straightforward, and hopefully easy to understand. But so often, we try to make these things more complicated than they really are. We're going to look at a passage this morning that's very familiar to most of you from Proverbs 3. And uh, most often, we credit Solomon for writing the Proverbs. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, the title is the Proverbs of Solomon. But that's only partially correct. 
While he did write most of these, some were merely compiled by him, and then others were written by other authors. But the verses we are going to read today were written by King Solomon before he had turned his heart away from God. So it's kind of important that we understand who he was. Just a brief word on Solomon. He took the throne over for David when he wrote, he was about the age of 20 or or maybe even younger when he took the throne, so he was very young. But God was pleased with his offerings and faithfulness and asked him what it is that he would like. Let's uh, turn in our Bibles first to 1 Kings chapter 3. I'm going to start a few verses before this, but um, you can follow along with me. We're going to start at verse 7. The Lord had just said to Solomon, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon responded, And now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of David my father. Although I am but a little child, I do not know how to go out or come in. And your servant is in the midst of your people whom you have chosen, a great people, too many to be numbered or counted for multitude. Give your servant, therefore, an understanding mind to govern your people that I may be discerned between good and evil. For who is able to govern this, your great people? Solomon desired understanding. And with that background, and God granted him understanding, one of the wisest people who ever lived, we're going to jump into our scripture for today. So if you turn now to Proverbs 3, we're going to start at verse 5. It's about the middle of your Bible, just past the Psalms. And we just sang about this. We just sang these verses. Starting at verse 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord, and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So we're going to approach this a little bit different this morning. We're not going to walk through verse by verse. We're going to start at the end. And I want you to see where we're heading so that as we walk through the other verses previous, we'll understand what we're leading up to. We're going to kind of begin with the end in mind. So let's get started. If you look at the last couple lines there, it will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Now, these phrases are talking about physical well-being. There's no hidden meaning here. The word flesh here literally means navel, the center point of the body, and it's often used to refer to the entire body in the, in the uh, Old Testament. Anybody remember when you were in the womb? Nobody? You were at one time. It sustained your life for nine months. We were totally dependent on it for all our life at one time. So is the author here saying we're never going to get sick? No, not at all. You know that's not true. Or that you will always recover from a serious illness? Not at all. Apostle Paul prayed three times to the Lord to remove the thorn in his side. We don't know exactly what it was, but 2 Corinthians 12 says, The Lord responded, My grace is sufficient for you, 
for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We had a message a few weeks ago, and Pastor Lowell walked through the reasons why bad things happen. And sometimes that is because God wants to get our attention. C.S. Lewis wrote in his book, The Problem of Pain, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. And hear this truth. God is always working his plan. And quite frankly, it's not always our job to understand. Our job might be to take one more step. But surrendering your life to the one who gives life and not succumbing to the momentary afflictions of this world or a proper understanding of the momentary afflictions can have very real health benefits. And we cannot avoid the afflictions, the pain, or the suffering of this world. None of us are exempt from that. But we must avoid allowing them to wreck our faith. So now let's talk about refreshing our bones. When I drink that ice-cold Sprite, I feel like it's moving all the way through me. Of course it's not, but you get the idea. So why would we need our bones even refreshed? What part do the bones play in our body? Well, first let's look at this word refreshment. This word really does mean drink. So in turn, what would you use to refresh your bones, to give drink to your bones? And of course, it's the bone marrow, which is what this word means in the context that it's used here. Now, I wasn't, I'm not a bio, was not a biology major, so I'm not sure, wasn't really sure what bone marrow does, so I printed this out. It says there are two types of bone marrow. Red marrow is responsible for producing red blood cells, white blood cells, and platelets. Yellow marrow consists mainly of fat cells. At birth, you have most of the marrow is red. As you get older, it becomes yellow. Explains a lot, doesn't it? But these platelets, blood cells, oxygen, it all carries nutrients, um, blood cells, all those things to the other parts of the body. So it's life-sustaining. It's life-sustaining. It goes on with erythrocytes. Maybe I'll ask somebody about that later, but... I'm not going into that anymore. But you get the idea. The marrow supports the bones. It supports the whole body. The bones protect the marrow. The innermost parts. And so we aren't just talking about being refreshed here so we aren't tired anymore. The bones allow us to move. The skeletal system allows us to move. And this is a, refre- or this is a refreshment that gives us the support that allows us to move and to even move on. In John chapter 7, Jesus said, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So that which we are seeking is a filling of the Holy Spirit, so that out of our hearts flow living water, which overflows in praise to God and to those around us. Okay, so that's where we're heading. A healing to our flesh, the very center of our body, and a refreshment to our bones, providing the lifeblood that gives us support and allows us to move. Healed and refreshed. Refreshment that comes from a closeness that only God can give us. The next, uh, so back to the beginning. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your path. Seems pretty straightforward, right? 
Trust God. Put your own thoughts to the side, and everything will be easy. It's not exactly how it works, though, is it? Remember what Solomon asked for? He asked for understanding. Yet the first thing he says in these verses here is don't lean on your own understanding. One of the wisest men to walk the earth says you can't trust your own understanding. Maybe that's worth taking note of. But how can we possibly know what God intends for us? We all might make statements like, I just want to follow God's will, or what is God's will for my life? We've discussed and prayed about that at length over the past several years as we move through this lengthy process of study and evaluation of land and buildings. But a variation of that same thought is God will reveal his will to me. And that's true. He does and will do that. He's done that with us, has he not? But sometimes that can turn into, well, I'll sit here and wait for God to move. And that's not what this scripture is telling us. The first word is trust. And that is not a sit back and wait kind of word here. The Hebrew word is batach, which does mean to trust, but it means to be bold and confident and secure. Be secure in the Lord with your heart. Be bold in the Lord with all your heart. And again, with all your heart gives that sense again of digging deep down in the very center of what makes your body work. Remember where we're going? Healing of the innermost being, refreshment of our bones, the very center of what we are. But this trust is not passive. It is an active, conscious decision to move forward in boldness. When we move forward, we need to move forward confidently in the Lord, perhaps like you would bust through those double doors over there and into the bright sunshine. It's that kind of movement. I mentioned the building land process we've been through. So many times we had to make decisions without knowing what was on the other side of it. Sometimes it was trust and move. Sometimes it was trust and wait. The waiting's hard. But we were always following the Lord's leading. And we didn't always agree, but we always moved together, did we not? But what are we moving based on? Do not lean on your own understanding, Solomon tells us. Why would that be detrimental? I mean, we're all smart people, right? We can figure this out. In a sense, maybe some might say that all our access to information in this world with the internet and our phones in our pockets. We're probably one of the smartest generations of all time. You watch the news, you might think we're one of the dumbest generations of all time. But, but listen to what Paul wrote in the 11th chapter of Romans where he quotes Isaiah and Job when he was teaching them on the human understanding of riches and wisdom. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. We can't analyze a problem the way God would. I have this picture, and I, I don't know about you, but whenever I'm driving down the road and I see the sun beaming through the clouds, I always imagine that's God looking out across his creation. Um, I know that's not a fact. But when you look at this picture, imagine we're standing where the photographer is. What can we see? We can see the path before us. 
We can see the horizon of the trees, but that's about it. Can, can we see what's behind those trees? Can we see in the trees? Miles on the other side? Not hardly, but God's perspective is different. He can see in them, over them, through them, around them, behind them, and he knows what's inside of them. Where we see in black and white, God sees in full living color. That's a good reason to trust him, huh? So what happens to us when we do try to make things happen on our own understanding? We put all that pressure back on us. Do we not have enough pressure in this world? From the beginning of time, the roadside is littered with those who've trusted their own understanding. Let's think about Moses. Moses' understanding was, are you crazy? Send me to Pharaoh. I can't even speak that well. But God's wisdom said, I will send one with you and I will soften Pharaoh's heart over time. What was David's understanding? I can sin against Bathsheba and Uriah. Nothing, no harm will come. God's wisdom was, I despise sin and know, David, you cannot control the outcomes resulting from them. The woman at the well's understanding, I'm a worthless sinner and no decent person would even so much as talk to me. But God's wisdom was, you are a child of God and I have a plan for your life. Not only will I talk to you, I'm going to forgive your sins and I will use you to reach others. How about Centerpoint Bible Church's understanding? God gave you a beautiful piece of land. Go build on it. What was God's wisdom? I have a better plan. Hold loosely to your plan and focus on mine. What are the other standings of the world today? Pursuit of riches, a bigger house, a better career, a boat. Nothing wrong with those things. Or how about more likes on social media? That's the big one today, right? I think we can read God's word and know God's understanding on those things. Those may give you a refreshment for a time, but we are seeking something that's lasting, a refreshment that lasts for all time. Well, what do all these people have in common? They all burdened themselves under the weight of their understanding of the events that were going on around them. We can bury ourselves in anxiety and worry to the point of real physical health problems. Remember the end we're moving toward, that healing to our fresh flesh, refreshment to our bones? This is part of the danger of leaning on our own understanding. To be honest, if we had stopped and counted the cost before we bought the land, we probably would have never bought it. It would have taken us 10 years to raise that kind of money. And if it hadn't taken us so long to get pricing on a building, we probably would have sold it prematurely. God had another plan. God's plan is different. It's better, and it's still unfolding for us. And we really don't yet know for certain what it's going to look like in the end. I have to be honest with you, and this is uh, sometimes hard to say. There was a time process earlier this year that I was pretty discouraged. I think I've told parts of this story before, but we were looking at a building two doors up from the one we have a contract on now, and it was beginning to look like, you know, it was going to be out of range for us, but we continued to do 
what God called us to do, our due diligence, step by step, point by point. We could see that there wasn't enough parking. So there was an empty lot beside. So we contacted Panhandle Builders and said, hey, what would it cost for this lot? Just as a future parking area for us. It was out of our range as well. But the very next day, they called us and said, hey, we just got word this morning that the VA center is moving out of our building that's two doors down. Would you be interested in that? The next day, the property wasn't listed for sale yet. They didn't know it was going to be for sale. For all they knew, it was going to be rented forever. That's God. No amount of education or training in real estate or accounting or pastoral ministry, for that fact, could have planned that. That was God. We cannot know what we should do tomorrow or what's even going to happen tomorrow with any real certainty. What point would there be in faith if we knew that? So how do we know what to do? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. The word acknowledge here is a pretty interesting word. It's not the acknowledge we would think that you're walking down the street, you see somebody, you tip your hat to them. The word here actually means to know, to learn to know, and to discriminate and distinguish. In all your ways, know him. In all your ways, learn to know him. And how is it that we know, know God? We turn to his word. He's given us the whole roadmap. If we bury ourselves in God's word and saturate our lives with the Holy Spirit, we come closer to the nature of God. And the decisions of, day, of today will almost make themselves. That person who said, I don't know God's will in this situation, let's say it's whether or not to buy a new car or to used car, or maybe keep that old clunker that's barely hanging on with rubber bands, chances are you do know what you should do. God has instructed us on the principles of material things and how to choose between the things of this world and the things not of this world. A lot of times we say, I don't know what God is leading me to do. But we're actually saying, I don't like what he's leading me to do. Do you really not know? Sometimes we don't. There are times we don't. That's when we need to be patient. Take one step at a time until we see God changing our course. So what is the difference when we lean on God's perspective? The pressure's off. It's no longer our plan. It's no longer our decision. God's responsible now. There's nothing for us to be anxious about other than can we live up to what he's asking us to do. I was a little anxious this morning, you know, well, maybe all week. But um, my wife, as she calms my fears, often she said to me this morning, she said, don't try to be too intelligent. Don't try to be too spiritual. Just be yourself. <laughs> but knowing it's God's decision frees us to take the next step in the plan and still not necessarily being able to see beyond it. 
I didn't know how this was going to work out today. Still don't. But I'm here because God called me here. So if we've read and tried to understand the Scripture, and if we opened ourselves up to the prodding of His Spirit, I can know the decisions I need to make. But based on His wisdom and not our understanding. And this is where your paths start to straighten out. Notice this doesn't say he's going to make your paths easy. But you will at least see the signs pointing you in the right direction. Psalm 18, 33, David described how God prepared him for battle. And I have it here on the screen for you. You don't need to turn to it. And he said, he makes my feet like feet of deer. And he sets me on the high places. David didn't pray for God to take away his pain, to take away what he was suffering from. Or he didn't pray to make the path easy. He said, God, give me the feet for the path you've laid before me. Set me on the high place. Set me on the path you want me to travel, and I will travel it. There's one caution here, though. As you start to practice this and God starts working his plan in your life, there's a tendency for other people to notice. And that's when, if you're not careful, you can get into a little bit of danger. He says, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. All these people we talked about before, Moses, David, the woman at the well, us, they all had this problem. We look around at us at what the world has taught us through our experiences, our education, and we think, hey, I'm pretty smart. We can do this. Yeah, God, you handle the miracles, and I'll do the work here based on what I know. Now, we do need people who are educated and skilled in areas where we couldn't function in the world. But it's not where our wisdom comes from. It's merely the means and the methods by which we carry out God's plan. And what happens is, as we have a success or two, people start coming up, patting you on the back, saying, what a great job you did. And that's when we do sometimes what I call believe in your own press reports. It's a battle I fight often, but it's about ego. And we need to put that aside. If we're truly looking to God's plan, we don't look in ourselves for the answers. We look to him. But a healthy fear and reverence of the Lord will help keep us on that straighter path. We need a guide, a king who will lead us. Israel didn't function well without a king. There are a lot of people running for office right now who want to be our king. But the king we need is the one who has the wisdom to guide us, direct us, and love us into his path for his glory. About a month ago, I was talking to a good friend of mine about speaking on these verses and what they had meant to me as well as to our church. And I hope you get that today, that, that these mean a lot to what we've been through, to what we're going through, what we'll continue to go through. But this friend said to me, I love that section. That's like an anchor, that's an anchor verse. And I kind of thought I knew what he meant and kind of said, yeah, 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 that's, that's it exactly. But as I started to study and read... I noticed there weren't a lot of cross-references in my Bible to other parts of the Bible or even in the commentaries I was studying. This is one of those cases where the Word is what it says it is. These verses could be taken 
and applied in almost any other story, passage that we read in the Bible. David and Goliath, people thought he was nuts for wanting to fight someone several times larger than him. But he didn't lean on his own understanding. He knew God would be with him. Jesus instructing the rich man to sell all he has and to give it to the poor to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's not what the world was telling him to do. And sadly, he made the wrong choice. We can depend on what our life experiences and what the world has told us, but that's not going to give us wisdom. But we can copy and paste these verses into our own lives today because our ways are not his ways. There is no doubt the world has a plan for your life, though. It's telling you every single day on Snapbook or Instaface or whatever those things are. And now we can even carry that message in our pocket. The world's message has never been easier to get and obtain. I followed that plan for part of my life, and I would venture to guess a lot of you did too. It was not healing to my flesh, and it never refreshed my bones. We all desire a closeness with God that will allow us to trust his plan, and we can be refreshed in the truth as we walk through the struggles of this world. And if you're here today and you haven't made that choice to ask Jesus to be your permanent partner in that struggle, There may not be a better time than now. Pastor Billy said earlier, there may not be another time. Everything has happened that needs to happen before the Lord returns. Maybe somebody dragged you here because they promised you lunch or you came for the donuts. Of course, we had cookies today. Maybe you came because you were told there was going to be a young, dynamic speaker here this morning. Oh, they all lied. It doesn't matter why you're here, though. All that matters is at this moment is that you are here and there's something you need to know. Jesus Christ, who claimed to be the Son of God and was the Son of God, not just any God, but the God, came to earth, was crucified, died a human death, and three days later he rose from the grave and sits now with his Father in heaven. And he did that so that you didn't have to struggle and carry this burden of sin with you. He took that weight for you. He has a plan for your life. It may not be a perfect plan by the world's standards, but I can assure you it's the perfect plan for you. It's probably not even a path that's going to be easy, but you aren't required to walk it alone. It's a heavy burden, but it's not up to you to carry it alone. In fact, he doesn't want you carrying a burden at all. He's calling you to share in the carrying of his burden. A burden for the hurting, the depraved, the unsaved of this world. Because if you are in Christ, you are a child of God. You matter to God. God has a mission for you. And he has a plan for your life. And in fact, your life may very well depend on it. In 1 Corinthians 13, 12, we read this. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Do you really want to trust something that carries that kind of weight 
of eternal consequences to your understanding? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. The word that gives us hope, encouragement, and a road map for navigating the struggles of this world. Help us, Lord, to always seek your will. To look to you and only you as our guide. We are called not to see things as the world sees them, but to try to see them as you would see them. Increase our understanding of your word and give us strength to move when we are called to move. Now refresh us for the path you have set before us as we leave this place to point others to you and your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.